Good evening. For those of you I haven't met before, my name's Stephanie. I'm a pastoral intern here, and I'm excited to be able to bring you this message as we celebrate Maundy Thursday together. Now, I know Maundy Thursday is something that you may have never even been to before because it's not one of those Holy Week things that we make a priority. We think Good Friday, we think Easter, but what is Maundy Thursday? So we're going to walk through the first Maundy Thursday, even though they didn't call it that back then. We're going to walk through that tonight as we prepare our hearts to receive communion. If you would first, join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this evening and every individual in this room. Thank you for the journey that you have had them each on to this point. Lord, I thank you for the message that you laid on my heart. I pray that my words be yours, that we would hear what we need to hear from you today, and that all else would fall away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's looking sunny out, but I heard a word in the scripture today that made me think of this past week. The word prepared happened several times in the scripture. We know a little bit about preparing in this neck of the woods because every once in a while we get a storm. Every once in a while. And we know that we need to prepare. I am horrible at this. My husband would attest to it. Um, I don't always keep my tank completely fueled. I will let it go below the halfway mark, which I know is a huge no-no in the winter, especially when there's a storm coming. Um, I get my groceries like from a list at a prescribed time in the week, you know, like, I am not usually making extra trips to prepare for things during a storm. But this one I knew was coming. So on Tuesday, um, and I'll admit too, I had like taken my winter survival kit out of my car. (laughs) So Tuesday morning as I was preparing to leave, I wasn't sure when the snow was going to be coming in, so I was gathering things. I put a shovel back in my car, I made sure I had jumper cables, I put my snow boots back in the car, I was getting everything prepared in case there was a storm while I was out. And then, before I left town, because I live out in Kindred, so uh, if I was away (laughs) from Fargo and I got into trouble, I knew that we would need things at the house. So I have two boys and a husband, and we need food. So I went to get groceries, and I stocked up on all the things we would need to fuel us for the next few days in case we got stuck in our homes. I also, happily, put fuel in my car, which is a rarity for me. I usually let it go almost all the way to empty, which drives my husband crazy. But this time, I was preparing for this storm. Lots of times, though, we know exactly how to prepare for a winter storm, right? Raise your hand if you did any of those things I did. Yes. Oh, you guys didn't? Who was at the grocery store taking the things off of the shelves then? Because when I got there, (laughs) the things that I really needed weren't actually there. (laughs) So I had to take things that I didn't actually want, didn't actually need, but things that were available. And I know I've been there again this week, taking things that were available rather than things that I need. Because even when we get a moment to slow down, 
even when we're maybe forced to slow down <laughs> because we're stuck inside for a few days, we may not have the fuel that we need, but we will find things to occupy our time. They may not be what we need. They may serve as a poor substitute for what we need, but they're what's available. Maybe you guys have some of that going on in your life too. Today, we remember that God knew we would need fuel. He knew we needed a way to prepare. So he prepared a meal to fuel us. He had a plan for giving us what we need. He knew we'd have trouble. He knew we'd face storms. And not just winter storms, but illnesses, grief, loss. Maybe a friend is talking about you at school. Maybe you have stress over teachers and grades. Maybe you have stress at work. Maybe there's stress at home with a parent, a sibling, maybe even a kid. He knew that we would have troubles and that we would have storms we would need to get through, that we would need to do tough things, that we would need to make tough choices. He also knew that we would need fuel to sustain us, so he had a plan. We read about part of that plan, and I'm going to read it again from our scripture today. From Luke 22, I'm going to do verse 7 and 8, and then I'm going to skip down to 13. So in verse 7 it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Then I'm going to skip down to 13, where it says, they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. That's where I heard that word prepared. So Jesus told John and, J and Peter to go prepare for the Passover. So the Passover, if you don't know what that is, um, I didn't for a long time, had to look it up. So Passover was a Jewish tradition that they celebrated year after year to remember what God had done for them when they were in the land of Egypt. So when they were exiled in Egypt, God sent plagues to Egypt, and he said to the Israelites, his people, he said, do these things, do these specific things, and I will pass over you, and you will not be harmed. So because of God's provision and his mercy, the Jewish people celebrated this Passover meal together every year. It was a way for Israel to recall her salvation and God's grace. And this Passover meal is the root of the communion that we're going to celebrate tonight. So let's get back to that word Maundy Thursday. What is Maundy Thursday? It's an, Maundy's an interesting word, right? It's got its root in Latin from the word mandatum, or mandate, or commandment. Okay, so mandi, mandate, commandment. So if you were with us for the last several weeks during Lent, you would have heard us do the Ten Commandments. So we preached on the Ten Commandments through Lent. Now these commandments were given to Israel in the Old Testament. Okay? They were given to Israel in the Old Testament, and they are also sometimes referred to as the law. 
So, commandments, mandates. We hear tonight, on Maundy Thursday, a new commandment. And we hear about that in John's Gospel. Now, at this same Passover meal, where Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and he's preparing to eat with them, he says to them, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is the new commandment. So we had those ten commandments, and Jesus boiled it down for the disciples and for us, and said, love God, love others, as I have loved you. That is your new commandment. So let's go back to Luke, and we'll continue to read in there. So we've got the disciples, they're sitting there eating with Jesus. They, uh, have, this new com- they have this new commandment now. And then, if we begin in verse 14, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Suffer? Okay. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So after taking the cup, Jesus gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus just told the disciples that he's going to suffer, and then that he's not going to be with them for a while. But also that they should eat this bread to remember his body given, and they should drink this wine to remember his blood shed. He also said to remember this new covenant. This new covenant. So a covenant's another big word, which means a two-way promise. A covenant is a sacred promise. That isn't just a person promising another person. It is a promise from both directions. So in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was that God promised to be faithful to Israel and call them his children. And that Israel promised to follow God's laws and commandments. Two ways, right? This old covenant, though, was prescribed behavior. It was like, do this. And the people continually broke the laws and the commandments that were given. And that's sinful. And unfortunately, in this old, old covenant, sins were only temporarily forgiven by sacrifices that had to be performed by priests. People, the people of Israel, did not have a direct connection, a direct link to God. They couldn't be in his presence. But the new covenant, the new covenant given by Jesus in this Last Supper, on this first Monday, Thursday, gave a new law. A new law that was internalized by God's people. Sins are forgiven not by a sacrifice that had to be done over and over, but sins are forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, which gives God's people direct access to him. So we've got this new covenant. It's supposed to be done to remember what Jesus did. 
By the way, the disciples didn't know that yet. So they're hearing this new covenant. They're hearing this, take this body given for you, take this wine, shed, the blood shed for you. They're hearing all this stuff for the first time, and they don't get it. They didn't know. They didn't know Jesus was going to the cross the next day. But Jesus knew, and we know. We know the reason that Jesus said his body would be given and his blood would be poured out because the next day he would go to the cross and he would become the sacrifice, the sacrifice offered for the forgiveness of sins. And there was plenty of sin to go around. Just looking at the table that Jesus was sitting at, his disciples, plenty of sin to go around there. He was sitting with someone who would betray him, Judas. Someone who would deny him, Peter. People who were trying to get authority and power, John and James. People who doubted him, Thomas. There was plenty of sin to go around, and eventually every disciple would fall away that night. But Jesus knew they would have some tough times ahead. He knew they needed fuel for the journey. So at this meal, Jesus told his disciples part of his plan to fuel them for this journey ahead. He knew this was the last meal, the last supper that he would have with them. So he tried to prepare them and fuel them for the road ahead. And we aren't much different. We talked about the betrayer, the denier, the doubter. We're not much different. We get distracted. We get distracted by our schedules, our agendas, our to-do lists, our things that we just have to put our heads down and get done. We get distracted. We doubt. We worry. We seek recognition. (laughs) We seek control. Jesus knew we would face this kind of trouble in this world. He knew life would be hard here. He knew it was essential for us to have a way to be fueled and renewed over and over. So this meal is not just for the disciples. I mentioned we, uh, that I did some things to get prepared for this storm, right? I got stuff, and then I slowed down, and I was stuck in my house for a few days. Uh, but I continued to be fed. I continued to consume things. It wasn't necessarily what I needed, because <laughs> comfort, right? But it was especially easy to find things that were specifically curated for what I wanted. Because whenever we slow down and we start to look around, we decide we want things. And then every once in a while, we might go to our phones to find them. And what do we find? It's easy to find because of two words. For you. This is what I found. I found caribou, which I couldn't get to so sad, right? But it says right there, for you. This is the drinks. For me. (laughs) What else? Oh, I found Amazon. There's like for you deals, all the things for you on this page. This is literally my phone. Okay. Oh, TikTok. A for you page on TikTok. The curated specifically for me. Every once in a while I watch a video of a dog. So this must be for me. Pinterest. I've been looking at 80s stuff. I can't imagine why. Uh, 
for, and this is for you. It says for you three times on this page. It must be curated specifically for me. And then Netflix. You can always find something for you on Netflix. It will tell you exactly what you want to see, and it might not be what you need to see. (laughs) These things were curated for me. They were carefully chosen, thoughtfully put together, organized and watched over. Wait a minute. No, no, no. That's what a person curator does. They watch over things. They personally find things to put in a collection specifically and thoughtfully for individuals. But this was curated for me by an algorithm. Not a person. Just because it was curated for me, though, doesn't mean it was necessarily what I needed. Doesn't mean it was fuel. It was just based on things I had either watched or chosen or looked at before. Doesn't mean it was what I needed. It's just a computer program. It's designed to anticipate and guess what I want. Sure, it gets it right. A lot of times, I admit, I have gone down many a rabbit hole because of a For You page. Just keep going. But that is having the world pick what's for you and decide what's next and what's best for you. You might find some happiness and joy there. It might kill some time for a while. But in the world's four yous, those feelings of happiness, they're not sustainable. They won't sustain you. We do have this longing, though, for this personal touch. We have this longing for something personal. For, I mean, even like my Amazon box that comes to my house has a smile on it. That's personal, right? It's smiling at me. No. Communion is personal. These for you pages in social media and marketing, they masquerade as personal, but no computer, no algorithm, no influencer can ever know your heart like Jesus does. Jesus knows what we really need. He knows we'll be faced with challenges, He knows we'll need fuel to keep going. He knows we will need to be replenished often. (laughs) Communion was curated for you. Jesus spoke to his disciples with you in mind. He broke bread. He gave his body for you. He shared the wine and the cup, shed his blood for you. Communion is fuel for you, for the journey ahead. Not by some influencer or automated system that can tell you what you think you want. But the curator is the author and perfecter of our faith. He searches us and he knows our hearts and he knows what we need. He knows our hurts. He knows our brokenness. He knows our wants. He knows what we actually need. He knows how to actually fulfill it. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's next for us. He knows what's fuel for you. I wonder if my phone would look any different if my for you pages were curated by Jesus. I wonder what they would look like. They would look like body given for you, 
like bloodshed for you, peace for you, hope for you, grace for you, forgiveness for you, mercy for you, freedom for you, sacrifice for you, love for you, life for you, fuel for you. Communion is fuel for you. It was curated just for you. It's personal. By sharing in this meal, we personally and publicly recognize that our fuel, our sustenance, our life comes from Jesus. It affirms our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. Participating in communion affirms this relationship and establishes that we understand what Jesus did for us on the cross. Through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins. We have a relationship with God that is restored. Jesus wants us to remember, and he tells us, every time you break bread, every time you drink wine, every time you partake of this meal, remember, I am with you. I love you. I will never leave you or forsake you. We eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for our sins. And we're grateful. He did the hard work. But now we have an invitation to share in this meal with him. Because communion and our participation in it is this outward expression of an inward commitment to this covenant relationship. Remember, covenant is from both sides. He gave the new covenant, and we reciprocate. We come share the meal with him. Part of the reason he curated this meal for us was because he knows it renews this covenant with him, and it reaffirms our connection with each other. In the sacrament of communion, we have been given this tangible way to remember our side of the promise. This new covenant is not a spectator sport. Jesus wants us to participate. We know we still need fuel today. Jesus knows we still need fuel today. We still have trouble in this world. When we share in the sacrament of communion together, it's a time and place that we can remember his love and sacrifice for us. God promises to meet us in this meal. We respond to his love and his sacrifice by sharing this meal for remembrance of him. This meal that was curated for you. When Jesus instituted this first communion during the Last Supper when he was sitting with his disciples, he said to them, this is my body, this is my blood, given for you, shed for you. So tonight, whether it's your first communion or it's your 501st communion, when you come forward, know that Jesus shows up. He promises to be here with you, and he is for you. So whatever storm you may be going through, whatever weight you have been carrying around, confess it and give it over to him. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've left undone, no matter where you've been, there is a seat for you at his table. Jesus gave this sacrament as a reminder that he gave himself on the cross. His body broken, his blood shed, 
for the forgiveness of sins for you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this gift of the sacrament of communion. I thank you so much for the heart of every uh, first communicant in the room and every parent that brings them forward. Lord, I thank you that we still get to remember your sacrifice for us, that we have a tangible way that we can show our side of the promise. Thank you for curating this meal specifically for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.